And even though these speakers and their topics all seem completely different, they actually do have one key common ingredient. Hello, and welcome to Sharp, the podcast where we help you get a little better at the stuff you have to do so you can spend more time doing the stuff you want to do. So now, on with the episode. Hello, and welcome to episode 48. It's been a while. (laughs) So we're in this new monthly slot, and I haven't quite worked out yet what the best day of the month is going to be to put the episode out. This one, um, I think if I get it right, is coming out at the end of October. And for the first few months, we might move them around until we find uh, exactly the right slot. But as long as you're subscribed, then you'll get it as soon as it comes out. And if you've not yet subscribed, go to sharppodcast.com. That's sharppodcast, one word, two Ps, dot com forward slash subscribe. So what have you been doing since we last met? Have you been busy? I've had had loads on. Uh, We went on holiday. I changed jobs. That's a big change and quite an exciting one for me. And I've been thinking about what subject to do next. And this subject has actually been in my ideas bank for months. So I don't know why it took me so long to do something on it. Maybe I've been getting stage fright. So if you've read the title, there's a bit of a clue that the subject I'm speaking to you is about you speaking to people, speaking at work, even public speaking. So let's discover what a videotape, a man in a red coat, and an idea that someone had in the shower have got to do with you getting better at saying your piece. Back in the late 90s, I worked for a really big UK retailer, and I'd been away on holiday. And when I got back from holiday, I discovered that a number of us had been asked to do a presentation at a conference. The problem was, all the good subjects had gone. Well, the subjects that I thought were good back then, like targets and confidence and sales, and the subject I'd been left with was commerciality. So, a bit disappointed, but um, that's what I had to talk about. So I spent a load of time, because remember, back then I was really competitive, and I'd finally got it done. And I was pretty confident that despite me thinking the subject was a bit boring, the presentation was okay. So on the day, we were allowed to step up onto the stage where we were going to deliver these presentations and practice a little bit of them without an audience being there. So it came my turn to practice. I felt confident. I stepped up. I took the lectern. I looked out. And I could see seats, rows and rows and rows of seats. It dawned on me, maybe this wasn't going to be so easy. This was the first proper presentation I'd ever done to an audience, and there were going to be about 200 people there. And even in this practice bit, it hit me. My knees went to jelly, my mouth dried up, I couldn't remember my words, and I thought, flip a neck. This is how I feel when there's no audience here. What's it going to be like when there is an audience? And then we were told that not only is there an audience, but there's going to be a film crew as well. It's going to be filmed. Anyway, I had no options. Despite how I felt, it had to be done. The audience started coming in. We went and sat down and the whole thing started. A few people went up and, of course, 
They did fantastic presentations. And eventually, it was my turn. So I took that long walk up the aisle, I stepped up onto the stage, I turned to the audience, I gulped, and gave it my best shot. And I remember the opening line to this day. It went like this. I've been asked to talk to you today about commerciality. Now in my dictionary, the word commerciality... And then my presentation went on. And it was terrible. I forgot my words. I didn't get laughs where I thought I'd get laughs. I was shaky. My mouth was dry like it was in the practice. And I just bolted through it. I just rushed through it and just had to get it over with. I almost ran back to my seat and I was in a crumbled heap and, well, the rest of the conference, as far as I was concerned, was just noise. Anyway, a few weeks later, a parcel arrived at my house. So I opened it and it was a videotape. Remember, this is the 1990s. And it was a film of the presentations. So to add insult to injury, not only did I have to go through this, but now I had to watch it back and see how bad it was. So of course I put the tape in, fast forwarded it to my, uh, my section, found it, I winced, I closed one eye, I pressed play and started to hear those words again. I've been asked to talk to you today about commerciality. Now in my dictionary, I watched the presentation and when it finished, I pressed stop and I sat back. So how did I feel? Well, I felt confused. Why did I feel confused? Because actually, the presentation was pretty good. In fact, it was much better than I thought it was. So how come? Had they edited it? Had they put someone else up there? No. So why did it look better than I thought it would? Well, you'll discover the answer to that and a lot more as we get into our episode about ideas on how you can get more confident at public speaking. Now, depending where you are on the scale, whether you're a seasoned presenter who does it regularly, or if you're at the other end and in that group of people who, when asked to stand up and talk in front of other people, would probably rather step in front of a speeding train. Whatever your experience, we've got loads of ideas and tips in this episode that can help you move up that scale to getting better at this tricky subject. And remember our strap line. We help you get better at the stuff that you have to do. And for many people, public speaking is not something they choose to do unless they've got no other options. For some people, speaking in public is up there with some of our biggest fears like spiders and death. Fear of public speaking is called glossophobia. And 25% of people report feeling the full-blown glossophobia symptoms. Things like anxiety, increased heart rate and tightening of the muscles. And many of these symptoms are driven by our hardwired fight-or-flight reaction. They're the same things that happen when we're confronted by an actual threat from something genuinely dangerous, like a tiger, or, for us in the UK, Brexit. Now, there are so many other things that we do, even when we do them for the first time, that don't create this sense of panic. So, why can public speaking be so tricky? Well, in a minute we'll look at what's actually going on in our heads that can lead to these feelings. But first, as you know, we've had a few conversations over the table with Lisa these past few weeks. Now sadly, at the time of recording, I can't talk to Lisa over the table, but I did get to catch up with her using the power of the internet, and as she was going to present something the next day, 
I thought that we'd get her thoughts on how she deals with public speaking. So, so this is this is a little bit different to the kitchen table. Yeah. It doesn't sound the same. No, it doesn't. It doesn't feel the same either time. <laughs> no, it doesn't feel the same. And that's because you decided to go 4,808 miles away <laughs> to Dubai. I'm working. Where you're currently sitting over a different kind of table. Yeah, I am actually. Describe the table where you are. So, um... I bet it's made like of gold and marble. You're not far off, actually. So at one end of my hotel room, there's a rather nice desk. But I'm not sat at the desk because there's also a really nice little seating area with a couple of nice tub chairs and a little coffee table. And I'm currently sat there looking at the view from the 28th floor out onto the city lights of Dubai. So just for the benefit of our listeners... You're not sitting at the other table that's in your hotel room because okay. you're sitting at the one that gives you the view of Dubai. Yeah, I yes. am. How, how lucky am I? Very, very lucky indeed. Very I lucky indeed. Lucky. I just thought, because the original plan was that we were going to have a conversation over the kitchen table about this week's subject, which is, I keep, see, I keep saying this week's subject. I'm now recording the podcast monthly, but I can't stop saying this week's episode. Uh In this week's episode. So in this month's episode, which is about um, presentation and public speaking. Yeah. So we can't have a conversation over the kitchen table because you're 4,808 miles away from me looking over the city lights of Dubai, not at the (laughs) other table that's in your hotel room. Correct. But as you're going to be delivering some training to some people um, over the next week, it actually seemed like a good idea to talk to you about presenting and public speaking because you're going to be doing some of it I am I'm doing quite a lot of it this week actually and I thought it might be useful to people to find out um what what you're going to find challenging uh-huh. um how you think you might overcome some of that stuff yeah just without naming companies and all that kind of stuff just give us a flavor of the kind of people you're talking to and a bit about what you're going to be talking to them about I'm currently working with a rather large sports retailer, sports brand retailer, um, and we are supporting them with a project to implement um, a piece of retail software to help with um, driving sales, so performance management, and scheduling workforce management. Um, So it's a bit of a, a mix in terms of who's going to be in the room, but predominantly the training is aimed at store managers and field managers, so area managers. And you're doing that 4,808 <laughs> miles away from where I am. Which um, I'm sure you I don't list- know if I've mentioned that point. I'm sure that your listeners would agree is clearly not a big deal for you. Yes. <laughs> well, interestingly, when this episode goes out, you'll probably be back and we can listen to it over the kitchen table personally I'd much prefer you were sitting opposite me but um anyway it's an amazing opportunity so the aim of this this episode is to give some people some ideas and tips about um about presenting and I thought what might be useful because our listeners will range from I'm sure there'll be people who are very comfortable and very confident with presenting and speaking in public and so on Uh um and then the other end of the scale 
there'll be some people that would, you know, quite frankly, probably rather jump off a cliff than yeah. stand in front of people and talk oh, to them. Yeah, and I've, I've been in that place. You've been in that place. But we all we all have, and I just thought it might be just useful to kind of find out what what will your what would your anxieties be about talking to a group of people, and um, how do you think you'll overcome those? Okay, um, you know, certainly in in the situation I'm in, it's it's an anxiety as to you know where do we pitch this? Um, are we doing it at the right level? Is there enough detail? Not enough detail? All those kind of things. I think. The, the the first bit that you you have to get right is that engagement piece you have to find a way of getting people to warm to you so that they're listening and they're attentive and you need to find a way to keep them engaged and and you do that I think with a variety of different styles and techniques use people's names where you can involve people around the room use eye contact all of those things that I'm sure you've been talking about when you've been pulling this episode together in terms of what's in your head so when you're about to stand up in front of a group of people who you don't know what's in your head about what you'll go through in terms of the emotions and the physiology oh. what what parts do you think you'll will be challenging for not just not just for you tomorrow or this week but when you've stood up in front of people and talked to people how do you feel so I have this thing where no swearing. <laughs> yeah, I have this thing where I know that my voice can falter when I get really nervous. So I have to think about my breathing. So one of the things that um, I do think about is a, a set of words that means I'm not having to think about what I'm saying whilst I'm trying to deal with some of those natural nervous things that my body does. Um, and I might not use it word for word, but it just means that I, I know that if I falter or stutter, that I have it as a backup. And it just makes me feel less anxious about that initial, um, that, that initial introduction piece. And I think once that's done and dusted for me, I feel very comfortable getting into a flow. Um, and, and I try to adopt quite a conversational style. Um, so that it doesn't feel yeah. too practiced and by rote, that it feels quite natural, because that, I think, helps people to engage with you. Yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about um, being converse, conversational instead of presentational. Yeah. If you, if, you didn't, if you didn't have that set of words, yeah. so let's say someone just said, Lisa, stand up and talk in front of these 50 people here and now, with no preparation, how would you feel? Well, I, I would get like butterflies in my tummy and I would get a little bit shaky. And and I think it's something you taught me to do about my breathing and just to slow down. And actually, it is just it feels like an age, doesn't it? But it is just a few seconds that you get it. And then actually, once yeah. you start going, you, you calm down and your voice slows and it goes to a lower tone. Um but actually, initially, I think it can be quite nerve-wracking. Yeah, yeah. We've, um, there's, there's quite a lot of stuff that we're going to cover. Um, I think if this is, if this, if this recording is going to be near the start of the episode, then some of the stuff we're going to cover later. But apologies, listeners, if we've already covered some of this. <laughs> I haven't edited yet. I can't, I can't think about the order before I edit it. I haven't even recorded it. That's because I, but anyway, I gave you a 60-minute um, window to get me recorded. You did. 
so some of the um, some of the tips we're going to cover later on around um, around breathing and and thinking and so on um, are useful. Are you going I to talk think, to people uh, about that thing that you used to get me to do? You know, when I used to do those really big board presentations and I used to get myself in a tizzy and not sleep for a week. And you used to get yeah. me to do the tappy yeah, thing. The tappy thing. Tell, tell us what that is. Um, I had to imagine in my mind how it went that I was at the end of the presentation. Is that right? And that everything yeah. had gone really, really yeah. well. And press yeah. my thumb and which finger together? It, it's better if you touch a finger you wouldn't normally touch your thumb to. So, so your thumb and forefinger probably... Um, isn't quite as powerful I find I find if I touch my thumb to my ring finger or my little finger because uh -huh. that's a it's a slightly unusual feeling you don't you don't normally touch those two fingers together and um, but the key thing is you choose a finger touch your thumb and tap your thumb onto that onto that finger whilst you're experiencing that feeling of of, of engagement and things going really well and you're tapping your thumb and your finger together and you do that for just about 30 seconds um, in a quiet place before the presentation, not directly before the presentation, um, but maybe even in the shower of the morning before, just get that sensation. And then when you're doing the presentation, if you're feeling like it's not quite going as you'd want, or you just you just want something to give you a boost, just touch your thumb and your finger finger together. Before. And, and I find it to be really powerful because it seems to tap into that physiological connection and then you're, you're able to remember how that feels. Mm -hmm. And by feeling confident and feeling positive, it has an impact on your physiology. And um, it really does seem to change how things go. It just, it's like a little boost. It's like a little tablet. Mm -hmm. what, what, do you, what, what would you say in all of, the, in all of the, the presentations you've done in your whole career or all the times you've had to talk in front of groups and people and so on, what's been the most challenging situation you've had how how did that feel I suppose um like I was just alluding to when I used to have to do kind of present the next five years budgets to um boards and things that I used to find mm -hmm. anxious because you're never entirely sure if you've got the answers to all the questions you're going to be asked and there's nothing worse in that yeah. situation than actually feeling like you're on a back foot. And I think um, confidence and experience has probably got me to a point now where I'd feel much more comfortable saying, you know, I'll have to come back to you. I need to take that away and look at it or what have you. But at the time, I used to get very anxious about not having all the information. I say knowing what you know now. Yeah. If you then had to go back five mm -hmm. years and do those presentations again, what would you do differently? Um, I'd give more consideration to the fact that actually it's probably entirely impossible to go into that situation knowing the answer to every question. And also I think one of the things we're going to talk about, um, or maybe we already have talked about, I don't know, is that some people have this perception that when they're doing a presentation or they're just even just talking in a meeting or in a group of people, that they've suddenly got to be a different person. <laughs> Yeah. And actually that adds pressure. That adds pressure to you because you feel like you've you've got to suddenly have these set of skills that you don't have you don't have in reality and 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 in fact in 99% of occasions, maybe not 99, 90% of occasions just being yourself and talking like you normally do um 
is enough. It is you, enough. You don't have to do anything different. And, and as you say, having the confidence to say, it's not reasonable for you to expect me to be able to come along and have the answer to absolutely everything. Yeah. Because I never have the answer to absolutely everything, but um, I'll go and find out. And then certainly, as you and I both know, when I, what I've learned from a training perspective is then going and finding out and then making sure you get back yeah, to them. Yeah, absolutely. So that has that credibility yeah. about, you know, I haven't just said I'll go and find out and then I've ignored you, but I, we have the car park, uh -huh. don't we? Put it up on yeah. the car park. Absolutely. I've made a note. I'm making a commitment to the fact that I'm going to go and find that out and then I will come back and, uh, and, and find out. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Well, that's... So you've covered loads of stuff. You've talked about preparation. You've talked about tap your fingers. Um, you've talked about uh, um, having some confidence to be able to say, I won't know the answer to everything. You've talked about engaging with people. You've talked about being yourself. Um, I think like we've got more out of this than we would if we were at the kitchen table. Because normally when we're at the kitchen table, we just muck about and talk about wine. And giggle a lot. Giggle a lot. You're 4,808 miles away which doesn't make me feel very giggly. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I can... Uh, don't be sorry, it's all right. I'm just... I, I, I'm playing up for the audience. Actually, I'm quite glad Quite glad you're away. I, I get that it was very difficult because last night I was trying to talk to you from the rooftop bar on the 34th floor of this building. I've never seen buildings so tall in all my life. We don't get them in Hampshire, do we? <laughs> no. I just... <laughs> can't get my head around the logistics of it oh, we've got the spinnaker the spinnaker yeah, that's, that's like true. that's like the what's that hotel in dubai the burj burj el barab yeah it's like let me just be clear it's nothing like it basically the spinnaker <laughs> and portsmouth harbour it's the same thing <laughs> it's nothing like it i'm petrified about turning up to these meetings looking like a very hot Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> you said yesterday, what was it you said yesterday? Like a sweaty rice pudding. <laughs> yes. That's how I, and like I had the same thing. Um, oh, this sounds so awful, doesn't it? But I had the same thing when I was in Paris a few weeks ago. And oh, it God. Was, <laughs> it was really, really. I hate really you when I go hot. to Paris. Paris is. So much different to Dubai, and you know, I can't, I can't work out which one I hate the most. Listen, it was really hot, and we were in an air-conditioned building, but I was still really hot because it was so hot. And all yes. the very beautiful, floaty French ladies went and got little shawls to put around their shoulders because they were so cold. And I did look like a sweaty rice pudding in the corner. Anyway. Well, you'll be pleased to know that it's very sunny here in Hampshire. And yeah, um, how, how hot is I it don't... in Hampshire? Oh, it's 50, 58 degrees centigrade. Oh, <laughs> 50, 100, I don't know. It's, okay. it's autumn. It's sunny. Listen, it's sunny and it ain't raining. That's as good as it gets here. So It's 36 you can... degrees here. You can take your 36 degrees <laughs> and you can stick it in your ice pudding. <laughs> right. Well, listen, thank you very much for, uh, for taking the time out of your hectic, glamorous day. Um, and I hope you don't get lost on the escalators. Yeah, I don't. And I'm going to say bye now because I, I'm going to stop recording. But obviously you and I will keep thank talking. Um, and, then, and then probably it'll be a bit more like it is at the, uh, at the kitchen thank table. You. Thanks, okay. Lisa. Go. Go and have some wine.
Thank you so much. Okay. I'm not. I'm having a cup of tea. All right. See you later. Bye. Bye. Well, that was all right. Nearly as good as her being here. Incidentally, that piece about tapping your finger. Now, I have researched it and I can't find out where I got the idea from. But I do want to clarify something. This is not EFT tapping. EFT tapping is a very different process. And I have to say, as a skeptic, EFT tapping is one that I haven't seen much convincing evidence about. My process is more a positive visualization technique being reinforced by your sense of touch. There are no meridian lines and no energy fields needed. So, what is going on in our heads when we're going to stand up and talk in front of people? Why can it be so tricky? Well, like most things, the answer is made up of several different elements. In Psychology Today, there's a good article where you can read more, and of course, I'll post that article in the show notes. But their article explains that some of the following things are factors in why we find this so difficult. The first one is our physiology. So, if you're a naturally anxious person, then it's possible that you can experience anxiety about feeling anxious. So you get a level of anxiety because you predict that you're going to be more anxious in the situation when it happens. And if that's happening in front of other people, that can really trigger some strong reactions. Another area is what we think about what the stakes are that are involved. I'm not talking about medium rare. When you're talking to a friend, maybe over dinner, um, when you're talking to a friend, the stakes aren't very high because you don't feel like you're being judged. But with any kind of public speaking, the stakes are higher because we feel like we're being evaluated or judged more. And then, if you combine that with the perception that to present you need a special set of skills, you can easily massively overestimate how difficult it's going to be and the consequences of getting it wrong. Some of the other factors are how much experience you have compared to how much you think you're going to need. Another one is the status of the people you're talking to. So if you perceive that the people you're speaking to have a higher status than you, that can add to the stakes being raised. Then there's the amount of judging. So how you perceive the amount of evaluation that you're going to get when you do this talk or when you speak to this group of people. If the audience is a new one, so if the people are not known to you, or the idea you're presenting is a new idea, those can both raise the stakes too. So those are some of the ingredients about why we can find it difficult, and I'll post in the show notes that Psychology Today article. But if that's why we feel nervous or why we struggle, then how do we overcome it? Well, since watching that videotape 20 years ago, I've actually had a fair bit of experience presenting, delivering training to large groups, doing formal presentations, and every so often, I stand here in front of this microphone and I talk to you. So I can add a bit of credibility to the ideas I'm going to share with you, and hopefully they'll help. So now we're in the solutions section, and we're going to start small. 
So this first set of tips are consistent with the kind of public speaking when you're in a smaller group. So maybe you're in a meeting um, or you're talking to a group of work colleagues or even just talking to uh, some people in the pub. Now, these ideas come from a mixture of places. They come from Mind Tools, Grammarly and Toastmasters. And they're ones that I use regularly, whether it's for the podcast, whether it's meetings, doing my voiceovers or any other occasion where I'm speaking to a relatively small group of people. Tip number one, know your subject. So the more you know, the more confident you'll be and the less you'll feel the need to be convincing because the subject will speak for itself. Tip number two, engage. So in a small group or, a, or in a meeting, take the time to engage with people. Talk with the group, not at them. Ironically, the more attention you pay to someone, the more they feel like you're a great speaker. Number three, slow down. So we do have a tendency to rush, especially when we get nervous. So take your time and use pauses because pauses are powerful. That was a bit, that was a bit corny, that one. I don't know if I'm going to leave it in. Tip number four, think about your breathing. Now, this is not about the delivery of, of what you're saying, but if you feel anxious, just stop and just think about breathing in and then breathing out. That can really help to ground you. And for those of you that do meditation, you'll know that that's actually the basis of, um, of mindfulness meditation. Tip number five, think conversation and not presentation. So in a small group, this is a two-way thing. And tip number six, less is more. And as well as trying to reduce the stuff you're transmitting, the stuff you're talking about to as few words as possible, also try to remove, if you can, some of the filler words, words like actually or just or I think, because that takes away some of the conviction of what you're saying as well. So if you can cut them out as well, I recommend doing it. Now, if you are going to do talks or hold conversations with small groups of people regularly, a great place to develop those skills is Toastmasters. Now, when I first heard the word Toastmaster, it made me think of someone in a red coat, a bit like this. My lords, ladies and gentlemen, please stand for Her Majesty the Queen and... The Royal Corgis. Actually, Toastmasters are an international organisation to help people become better public speakers. They're a non-profit organisation. They've got 357,000 members worldwide in 16,500 clubs across 143 countries. So there will be one near you. Here's a snip from one of their videos. Hello, I'm Jay. Thanks for visiting Toastmasters International to learn more about public speaking. Since 1924, we've helped more than 4 million people gain the confidence to communicate in all circumstances. 
and one of the most demanding situations you'll ever face is speaking to an audience. Here are some time-tested tips to help you prepare so that you feel empowered to impress others. If you pay attention to these five crucial tips when you plan and deliver your next speech, you'll have an easier time and your audience will get more out of the experience. So that's public speaking in small groups or meetings. Now, many of those tips will apply if you're also doing bigger, more full-blown presentations too. But there are some additional ones that apply specifically to bigger presentations. And these can help you be more confident and to deliver your message in a great way. So for the first one, I'll ask you a question about something I referred to at the start. When I watched that video of my horrible presentation, why did I think that it wasn't actually that bad? Well, the key here is understanding that only you know how you're thinking, only you know what you're feeling, only you know how much you're sweating, only you know if you're shaking, um, and that physiology is magnified to you when you're under pressure. Now, in fact, you could forget a whole chunk of what you're going to talk about, and generally, no one will notice. Now, unless you're a professional presenter or a stand-up comedian, people will laugh at the bits that you thought weren't funny, and they'll be silent when you make your best joke. The reality is that generally, it's not going to go how you'd like. And once you accept that, and also once you accept that you're going to feel nervous, then you can begin to stop worrying about those things. The tip here is realizing that there will be a huge difference between how you feel and how you look and sound. You should expect to feel nervous, but those nerves are keeping you focused. And from the outside, I guarantee that as long as you don't slip into arrogance, you will actually be coming across much better than you think. Tip number two, plan. Don't think you can just rock up and talk. The best prepared presentations are the ones that look like the person is just chatting. Now in planning, you set out a structure um, and a beginning, a middle and an end is a great approach. A good format is to start with a story. Have you spotted that we often do that in the podcast? Then you set out what you think a problem might be associated with your idea. You explain why that's a problem so people can see that it's not just you. And then finally, you present your idea as a solution to the problem. And the eagle-eared will notice that that's pretty much how these podcasts are set out. Don't tell anyone, though. It's a massive secret. So tip two, plan. Tip three, now, this is part of planning, but I think this is important enough to be a tip in its own right. Know your audience. So it's important that in your preparation, you understand who you're talking to and what's important to them. So you could give a great speech on, I don't know, nanobots with swooshing, powerful slides and amazing imagery and videos and sound. But if you're talking to the local knitting club or fly fishing enthusiasts, then you are likely at best to only engage one or two of the audience. So tip three, think about your audience, who they are and what they want. 
Now for tip four, I've got three parts. 4A is practice, 4B is practice, and 4C is practice. So when you're doing a formal presentation, um, as opposed to speaking to a group, practice your presentation out loud. Do it often and do it in front of a mirror or a camera, do it in front of your dog or your cat, or ideally in front of another human being. It might feel awkward, but I promise you, it's a lot less awkward than not practicing and just trying to deliver your presentation with no practice. Now, the benefit of a camera or another human is you get feedback from an outside perspective, a bit like my videotape in the 90s, where I was seeing it from a different perspective. Doing it in a mirror certainly at least lets you see how you look, and doing it in front of the cat helps you to get used to delivering in front of another sentient being. In fact, using a cat is actually pretty good because cats have a very short attention span, like many people. So tip four, practice. Tip number five, make eye contact. Now this is about talking to one person at a time. So this is a bit like engaging with people in the last section, the section about smaller groups. And it makes you feel more human you'll sound much more confident if you don't try and talk to the whole room. Let me show you. I'm going to say two sentences that are almost exactly the same, but I'm going to deliver them differently and see if you can tell the difference. Here's the first one. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. How's your week been? Have you had a great week? I've been really busy. Or, hello, you. Welcome to the podcast. How's your week been? Have you had a great week? Oh, I've been really busy. Can you hear how the second one feels different? It feels more personal. And the reason is that in the second example, I just spoke to you. I didn't talk to the whole audience. I just talked to you. And a great technique you can use to practice, and I'm doing this right here right now, is I look at an image of a person while I'm doing it. It sounds weird, but actually looking at a picture of a person really helps make that connection. And the good news is this picture I've got here of this person looks exactly like you. They've got the same hair, the same eyes. They've even got your grin. And it's easier to sound like that in a presentation if you talk as if you're talking to each individual person. So tip five is make eye contact and talk to people individually. Tip six. If you're using media like PowerPoint or slides, keep them simple. Use as few words as possible. And remember, it's you presenting, not the slides. The minute someone starts reading the slide, they're not listening to you. Now, this can be really tricky to actually deliver. And I sometimes write presentations for other people who really need the crutch of that text up on the screen. Um, and I guess... If you're going to struggle and you'd rather not read from notes or remember your notes, you can do it, but um, it just doesn't feel very personal. And actually, remember, as I said, it's you that's doing the presentation and, and hopefully the person will be concentrating on you and not reading words from a screen. So if you can avoid it, I really recommend it. And also, by the way, if you're using projectors or audio gear or even flip charts, get there early and use them in the room in advance. You'll be really glad you did. Hey, here's a fun fact. Did you know that PowerPoint was going to be called Presenter? 
But when they were registering the name, they discovered that the name presenter was already, already in use. So under pressure, Robert Gaskins came up with the name PowerPoint in the shower. And it, sorry, he, he was in the shower and he, it's not called PowerPoint in the shower. He came up with the name PowerPoint whilst having a shower and it was registered as PowerPoint 1.0 on the 20th of April, 1987. That's 31 years ago. And people have been abusing PowerPoint ever since. PowerPoint is a great tool, but use it sparingly. Tip number seven. Now this is one from me, and this might be a bit controversial, but bear with me. Tip number seven is aim for an average presentation. So if you're not a professional presenter or someone who speaks to an audience or into a microphone regularly, the pressure that you can put yourself under to be amazing can have a negative effect on the quality of the presentation because you're really conscious when you're doing it that you perhaps don't feel amazing. There is one aim of any presentation and that is to get the message across, not to demonstrate what a great presenter you are. So this is about delivering an amazing message, but don't aim to be an amazing presenter. If you think more about what you're saying and not so much how you're saying it, it will actually feel much more comfortable. And the message, the idea, is the most important point. As long as you follow all our other tips, focusing on the message is the most important point, you won't go far wrong. Now, possibly one of the most daunting places that you can give a presentation or talk from is the TED stage. Since the TED conferences started in 1990, there have been over 2,600 TED talks published, with thought leaders from science, academia and culture speaking and presenting ideas on a massive range of subjects. Now, whilst there's been some controversy recently about some of the subjects and the quality of the speakers, you can't argue with the fact that TED Talks are about people talking and presenting to large audiences. My favourite one, the Sir Ken Robinson talk on schools and creativity, is currently sitting on YouTube alone at almost 16 million views. Now you might be thinking, hang on Steve, I'm not going anywhere near a TED stage. I don't even want to talk to 10 people, so what's this got to do with me? Well, it comes back to my last tip, focusing on communicating an idea. Here's what Chris Anderson from TED says about this subject. Some people think that there's a TED Talk formula. Give a talk on a round red rug. Share a childhood story. Divulge a personal secret. End with an inspiring call to action. No, that's not how to think of a TED Talk. In fact, if you overuse those devices, you're just going to come across as cliched or emotionally manipulative. But there is one thing that all great TED Talks have in common. And I would like to share that thing with you. Because over the past 12 years, I've had a ringside seat listening to many hundreds of amazing TED speakers like these. I've helped them prepare their talks for prime time and learned directly from them their secrets of what makes for a great talk. And even though these speakers and their topics all seem completely different, they actually do have one key common ingredient. And it's this. Your number one task as a speaker is to transfer into your listeners' minds an extraordinary gift, a strange and beautiful object that we call an idea. 
Now, Chris goes on to explain that whilst TED speakers, and this might surprise you, they are nervous beyond belief, their presentations work because they know what idea, what thought, what message they're aiming to communicate to their audience. And whether you're speaking to 16 people or 16 million, your idea, your message is more important than people thinking you're a world-leading presenter. I recommend having a look at that full video on TED and I'll put the link and of course all the links to all the research and the resource that we've looked at today. Now before we get into the takeaways, I just want to thank you and you know you continue to listen to this podcast, you join in, many people chat on social media and many people listen to the podcast and don't chat on social media. I'd just like to ask you a favour. I'd like to ask you to share the podcast and to please keep doing it because it is the only way that people get to see it. I don't pay for advertising, so your word of mouth is the future of this podcast. And speaking of words from your mouth, here's this week's episode's takeaways on public speaking. Don't worry, you will always look and sound better than you feel. Know your subject. Engage. Talk with the audience, not at them. Slow down. Take time and use pauses. Think about your breathing. In a small group or a meeting, think conversation and not presentation. Less is more. So work on cutting out the filler words, and the self-put-downs like I think or just or uh. And then the takeaways from when you're doing a big or formal presentation. Expect to feel nervous, but remember, you look great. Plan your presentation. A beginning, a middle and an end is always a great approach. Know your audience. Try to find out what's important to them and give them it. Practice. When your practicing gets boring, you're probably nearly there. So use a mirror, use a camera to watch back, or ideally, a human person. Talk to one person in the audience at a time. Don't try to present to the whole room. If you're using media, make sure it works and use it sparingly. Don't try to be an amazing presenter. Aim for average, but... The big tip. Focus on the message. Think about what you're saying and getting that idea across. Focus on trying to get people to remember the message, not the presentation. All the links, resource and articles I've used in this episode will be in the show notes right there on your device. Hopefully you'll find them helpful and useful and hopefully you'll find this whole podcast helpful and useful. I hope you do and... I do spend a lot of time and effort making sure it's relevant, helpful and entertaining enough for you to listen to. If you agree and you'd like to show your support, there are several ways you can do it. You could go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating or a great review, which would be fab. Alternatively, you can share the podcast on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. We are at Sharp Podcast, one word, two Ps. Or you could even show someone how to subscribe on their phone or their device. And finally, on the website, sharppodcast.com, you can leave feedback, subscribe, 
or go and listen to the archive episodes. I'm off. I hope you're able to find one thing before our next episode that you can do, which will help you get better. And remember, don't waste time comparing yourself to anyone else. The only person you should try to be any better than is the person that you were yesterday. Bye-bye. Here we go. So I'm going to stop recording. In fact, no, I'm not going to stop recording. I'm going to have a moan. Oh, what a terrible life. 36 degrees centigrade. Hotel so big, she couldn't even spot the 14 escalators. You too, <laughs> listeners, can live a life like that. All you've got to do is learn to present. <laughs> right. Oh, dear.